Welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, America's premier barbecue radio show. Join your host, two-time world champion, Andy Groneman and friends, as they sink their teeth into the finest grilling, smoking, and barbecue from coast to coast with the industry's leading pitmasters. Stay tuned for great tips, techniques, and products that will enhance your backyard experience by being a part of the Barbecue Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Barbecue Radio Network, where we will up your barbecue with help from legends in the barbecue world. I'm your host, Andy G, along with our senior executive producer, back yet again, Randy Rabbi Ram. He is a Texas broadcaster, Hall of Famer, and we're lucky to have him one more week here with us, and we appreciate that. And of course, my co-host, whose barbecue rumors are almost as juicy as his pulled pork, Todd Johns. That's right. Man, glad to see your ribeye. Uh, T-Bone is, he's still fangirling here, this this uh, broadcaster Hall of Famer over well, here. Well, he put a skirt on this week, so I don't that's, know what that's all about. That's, that's right. He's looking sharp. He's looking sharp. <laughs> hey, I got, a, I'm, well, I'm getting a new grill because I need a new grill, you know. There's only I know like where you can get a new grill. Plenty of them. But I got a uh, I got a deal on a used PK grill. Oh, a PK! The little of those, the little cast aluminum, little little steak tailgater griller. I it's am, an iconic grill. They've been is. around forever. They're iconic. Never cooked on one, so I'm excited to get that home and like cook a. Well, sure, you can cook for me on it. Cook huh? a steak on it or something. Yeah, yeah. a oh, steak would be great. You bet. Well. Bring it over. <laughs> I'll do that. So we're, we're excited for our guest today, too. I mean, we're excited about Todd's PK Grill, but our guest is out competing on the competition barbecue circuit. He is a heavy hitter in the World Food Championships. He's won the title of World Food Champion, among other awards. And last year, he was the World's Burger Champion for 2022. You can check out his website at PorkyMcBeef.com, where you can get his award-winning PMB barbecue rub. And we're going to dig into everything we want to know about nailing the best burger on the block this summer and then in our fourth segment we're going to talk to ted not <laughs> oh and in our fourth segment we're going to talk to todd about ceramic cookers not pk cookers and the best tips and tricks for cooking on your ceramic which big green egg kamado joe you know any of that style of cooker we're going to dig right into that that's right, and it will not be about the PK. Uh, you're just jealous. I can tell you're jealous that I got a a, a new PK and you don't. And so, well, you know, there I you like go. to always. Uh, there's a new grill's always fun. And your teeth is there? Is, do we have time for an Ask Andy question yet? Come on. No, no, we don't. <laughs> so, but I. Speaking of new things, you have a new grill, but I have a new job. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you so, fooled someone into hiring you, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, the check still, uh, I, I, I sent it. I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't bounce before uh, I get my well, first Hopefully they don't do background working. checks. But but I'm going to be the uh, director of marketing yes, for Booth Creek Wagyu, which is pretty exciting. And you we'll bet. talk about, about Booth Creek Wagyu and that story uh, one of these days. But uh, Congratulations. Uh, Awesome. All right, well, thank you. It is time for our Ask Andy segment. Oh, thank and, God. I and we got a long here. one here. Justin Unger from Salem, Wisconsin, had nothing better to do than to type a question. So sit down and strap in. <laughs> Dear Andy, I know you and Todd talked about finishing brisket a few weeks ago, and naturally I cooked a brisket just days before hearing that episode. My question is about getting the right tenderness in the flat. I've cooked a couple of prime briskets. 
so far, and the flat always seemed kind of tough when probing for temperature. I've been pulling them to te- or to rest at 203 to 205 degrees. Is this too soon? Or am I cooking, overcooking past the point of that perfect tenderness? Could my cooking temps or process also be my problem? Oh, and that's not all. My cooking process thus far has been on my pellet grill, low and slow, about 215 degrees, 10 to 12 hours, and then wrapping in butcher paper and pushing the cook temp to 250 degrees for the rest of the cook. Generally, been a 12 to 14 pound prime brisket. Appreciate all the info and knowledge you guys provide every week and hope T-Bone is recovering well. Thanks again. From Salem, Wisconsin, Justin Unger. Well, <laughs> that is quite a question. And I will tell you that I'm glad he added the second paragraph because yes. every time we get a question like that, I go, well, gosh, it really depends on what their process is. Or what know. cut of meat they're in. Or what, what was cut it of meat? Select, what is it? A select brisket. He said it was prime. Yeah. So we've got a ton of great information right there. So let's just dive right into that. So first and foremost... Um, he said he's cooked a couple of these prime briskets and the flat is tough and he's resting at 203 to 205. But then he said, is that too soon? So you're talking about temperatures and you're talking about times in that sentence. And what I would suggest to you is don't worry about temperature as much as the time. And so you're cooking that thing. Once you wrap it, you're going to essentially start checking it around maybe 200 to 205. But don't pull it until that probe, whatever you're using, I'm assuming you're using some kind of a thermopin or some type of a thermometer, you're going to push that probe in. And if it has just the slightest hint of resistance, and I, I usually say like a hot blade into soft butter. So you get that little bit of initial resistance and then it slides on in. You shouldn't feel the meat fibers uh, pushing through it. If you still feel each of those different meat fibers It's not quite done yet. All that collagen and connective tissue there hasn't broken down. That's what you're punching through. So you want to let it keep cooking. I never really cook to a temp. I usually always just cook till I have that feel of doneness. I will tell you it could be as low as 203, but it could also be as high as 210 or 211. So don't necessarily worry about that temperature. I mean, Todd, what's your... No, I totally agree. Uh, don't the temperature is a, is a guide. You know you're in a window, but that brisket, that cook, it could it could vary between like you said 203, 212, 199, you know, so you're in a window of, you know, around that 200 mark. It's a great time to be checking and rechecking, but it really is feel at that point. And so the next thing that I would mention because uh, you you also asked about you know cook temp versus your process, you're cooking at 215 degrees for 10 to 12 hours before you wrap. So I don't know if you're spritzing or if you've injected or done anything, but when you get those longer cook times at the lower temperatures, you also risk drying the meat out a little bit over that long period. Now, granted, you're cooking a prime brisket, so there should be plenty of fat there. Um, a pellet cooker like all other wood-fueled cookers, is adding moisture to the chamber as it burns the fuel. It's not like gas or electric where you are pulling moisture from the chamber. So you should be okay there, but you might just try to bump that up to two and a quarter 
and start wrapping it maybe seven or eight hours and see if that gives you a little bit juicier product to get you to that nice uh, feel that you're looking for. If you're feeling like that when you push it, you're still getting that little bit of toughness. Usually, though, if it feels tough, it's underdone. If it crumbles apart, it's overdone. Yeah, if it, uh, so I totally agree with the temperature, too. Um, that 215 or 200, you could even go 180. Run it low like that for maybe the first couple hours because on a pellet, you're going to get a lot more smoke at a lower temperature. So in the early part of that, that low temperature is fine. But after, say, three, even four hours, bump that up to 225. And But I... D- I do like that he's moving it to 250 when he wraps it. Yeah, once you're once you are wrapped in that foil, it's it's in its own little micro environment anyway, and you're, you're brazing and it. pushing through that stall that we talked about uh, last week with Meathead. And again, once you get it wrapped, you're not going to have to worry about the stall. You're going to push on through that. So I would go ahead, like Todd said, you could start at 215 or even a little lower initially. Bump it to two and a quarter and try wrapping just a little earlier. Uh, and see if that helps you with that moisture content. So thanks for the question, Justin, and we will get a t-shirt headed your way. Next segment, we're going to be talking with Dave Elliott, the owner of PMB Barbecue Company. Follow him on Facebook and Twitter at at PMB Barbecue Co. and Instagram at Food Champ Dave. Check out his website, PorkyMcBeef.com. Coming up next, it's going to be Dave Elliott right here on Barbecue Radio Network. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. You have a better recipe for when you grill. Better ingredients, better cuts of meat, and because you're using a grill from Holstein Manufacturing, well, a better grill. You take grilling seriously, and at Holstein Manufacturing, we make a serious grill. Find your new grill now at HolsteinMFG.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. Holstein Manufacturing, we build the grill. Welcome back to the award-winning Barbecue Radio Network. I'm Andy G, along with executive producer Ribeye and my co-host, Plowboy's own Todd Johns. I'm excited to share our guest with you this week. He's a grand champion competitor on the KCBS barbecue circuit. And as a WFC competitor, he holds the title of world food champion. And most recently, he won world burger champion for 2022 as part of the world food championships. He's the owner of PMB Barbecue Company and has an amazing barbecue rub out that you can check out on his website website at porkymcbeef.com. Dave Elliott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Andy. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm great. Good. Good to have you on here, man. Hey, thanks, Todd. Good to be here. Well, before we dive into burgers, I had to just hit on something funny from your Facebook feed this last week. (laughs) Now, all of us here have, we've had our kids grow up at our barbecue sites with us at contests. We've all got barbecue kids. And there's a whole community of barbecue kids out there. But Renee posted this, and I just thought it was spot on. She had on the page, it said, signs you are raising a barbecue kid. Growing up barbecue. That's right. And it said, me, why didn't you eat the hot dog at school today for lunch? And then it says, Sam, age seven, their hot dogs aren't very good. They're wrinkled, and they don't even have grill marks. (laughs) 
kids kids that grow up around competitive cooks and food sport people have a different perspective on food. <laughs> That's for sure. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, that was it, it. Was hilarious. We were in the car when he said that, and it just totally caught me off guard. It was just the funniest thing. Just totally out of nowhere. Yeah, that is so awesome. But, you know, so what we want to do is now we want to suck into your world burger champion brain and have you help us build the best burger in the backyard. We want to have some great ideas and tips and tricks and crutches to just build a phenomenal burger. You know, the the burger we made at WFC is nothing like I would make at home on a normal weeknight or weekend. That's a, you know, that's a pretty heavily involved burger. It takes a lot of time and definitely not cheap to make. Um, I think, you know, the best, you know, the most important piece of any burger has got to be the burger itself. It's got to be the meat. And so what's yeah. your, so you got so many choices there, right? You've got yeah. ground chuck, ground round. You can grind your own. Like I like to take my brisket trim and uh-huh. uh, some ribeye trim and, and blend that together, usually with some terrace major or something that's a little leaner and you okay. get this really nice burger blend. But what, if you're just going to go to the store and buy ground beef to make a killer burger, what are the, the main things that you would look for uh, when you're shopping for your ground beef to make sure your burger is going to sail? Um, definitely. I want to look at the marbling. You know, there's a fat percentage. Um, I like a 75-25 um, to 80% um, meat-fat ratio. Um, now, for the winning burger for WFC, well, we did a, I did a 70-30 grind on that one. Um, that was um, ribeye chuck and a little short rib. And also oh, added, added, uh, added, also added some bacon into the grind as well. Um, I found an old school butcher shop in Dallas and walked in there one morning and was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, this is what I want. I'm like, can you do it? And it's like, yeah, can you wait? So pulled out some ribeye, some chuck and a little short rib and like, Hey, why don't we go and throw in a pound of bacon into the grind as well? Add a little extra saltiness, you know, um, a little smokiness. And, uh, yeah, it came out phenomenal. Now that, now that, uh, was eight pounds of meat cost me about 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely wouldn't recommend that doing at home for your uh, Saturday afternoon cookout. And that's, and that's because your ground beef was actually not based on a trim combo, but it was actually whole muscle ground beef. You chose right. the muscles and then yeah. ground them, which always makes for a more expensive grind, but you also can control yeah that fat content and the flavor exactly how you want it. But I will tell you that for me, like I love a 70 30 for a smash burger because you get Uh those lacy edges and everything. And then if I'm smoking a burger, I usually do that kind of 75 25. Yeah. Yeah. I really like having extra fat content in there. Um, Makes a little more of a mess, but you know, Hey, fats flavor. So I'm all for it. Yeah. I love the idea of putting the, the bacon in the grind too. I, I used to do that with my brisket burgers. I would take all my competition okay. trim and, and put some bacon in there as well. So uh, that's a, that's a good tip too. It, it doesn't come out really as salty and bacony as you might think. Um, it does really season the meat really well. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, so well, we've, we've got the, 
So talk about seasoning then, since we just mentioned that. Um, are you seasoning inside the meat? Are you just seasoning the outside for a crust? Um, you know, typically I'll just season the outside for a crust. Um, like if I'm at home, that's what I'll do. I, you know, pretty simple, like a salt, pepper, garlic. Um, as far as what I'll use, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, dried onion on there as well. Um, occasionally, you know, if it's a grind I'm doing myself, I might throw a little bit in the grind on the inside, but otherwise I'll just, uh, season the, you know, the outside of it, you know, before, uh, before it goes on the grill. So yeah, nothing too complicated, you know, and I mean, make a good burger at home. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, you know, two feet tall. You don't have to have 30 <laughs> right, ingredients. Right. I mean, you don't have to have 30 ingredients on it. You know, sometimes right. simple is just the way to go. All right. So we, so we've got the grind. We've got, so we've got our meat, we've got our, our grind and our, our fat content and, um, we've now seasoned. So are we what going to the grill? Bur- well, what oh, size, yeah, what burger size burger are we, are you typically, do you like a quarter pounder, a third pounder, a half pounder? What's Mash? your, um, or I like, yeah, I like to do about a third pound typically. Um, I don't usually weigh it out, but I think I've done enough where, um, the burger press that I use, I think I've got it where it's about a third of a pound by how much you know, I get in there. Um, yeah, I like a real thick burger. I don't do smash burgers too often. Um, nothing wrong with them. They're good. I mean, now it's a burger, so it's good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like a, I like a thick burger. So once, once you're ready to cook that thing, are you giving it uh, kind of a slow start and letting it get almost like a reverse sear where you're getting some smoke in it? Or do you just go straight to the grill and, and really get a good char on it? And what's your, oh, what's your I, finish temp? Yeah, I go straight to the grill, um, and I'll usually have it around four, four fifty, maybe. Um, and I like to, I like to finish it. I'll pull it off between one, eh, around one thirty or so. So I'm going to have some good carryover. Um, and is this like on a gas well, grill or or charcoal yeah, grill? Yeah, uh, uh, usually on a gas grill at home. I've got some, you know, various charcoals, but I, I do have a gasser out back. And that's what I typically use, uh, like during the evenings. Um, for the WFC burger, I kind of did a kind of a different take on it. I, uh, we started it on the gas grill outside, but I really wanted to be able to control, you know, how it finished and the girls are outside. So for my sous chefs, uh, Johnny was outside, you know, man in the grill. So I had him bring him, I had him get a good sear on him and bring him in. And I finished those in the oven. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more next segment about WFC and and kind of diving into that and what all you take there. Of course, we're talking with Dave Elliott. Check out his website at PorkyMcBeef.com. Follow him on Instagram at the handle at FoodChampDave. And when we come back, we're going to pick Dave's brain on World Food Championships and cooking the perfect burger there. Talking more with Dave next right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Welcome back to Barbecue Radio Network with my co-host, Pitmaster Todd Johns, our executive producer, Ribeye, and I'm Andy G, and we're back talking with Dave Elliott, owner and pitmaster of PMB Barbecue Company, and as we talked about last segment, he's out there tearing up the food sport, but let's get back to talking about burgers real quick. Welcome back, Dave, and let's talk about that winning burger from WFC last year. All right. Well, what do you want to know about the burger? So we got the grind. We know what's in it. Uh-huh. So what really took it over the top and, and 
made it that special burger for the judges because you know having been at wfc's in the past yeah. it's everything is over the top there are so many amazing recipes that get presented how do you stand out above you know head and shoulders above the rest of them really well, what I tried to do is, you know, like we talked about with the meat, I tried to get some, you know, the best ingredients I could. Um, and I also wanted to create a burger that wasn't two feet tall. You know, something you got to be able, that's edible, you know, that you can get in your mouth without dislocating your jaw. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, some of them get pretty crazy. And, and just kind of narrowing it down to what do we need, you know, what different elements to really take it over the top and and i was known as more surprised than i was that you know ended up you know winning the category um you know we started started off with a brioche bun um you know had locally sourced there in dallas and it's a great bun we made a fresh lemon herb aioli and then did a very thin layer of arugula on top of that um kind of just tell you how you know we, we built the burger um and then, you know, we did the patty on top of that, which was probably an eight or nine ounce patty for that. Um, I wanted those patties to be really big because we were turning in full burgers for each judge. I didn't want to cut it in half. Um, and you were you using know. a 70-30, so that sucker was going to be juicy as all get yeah. out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very juicy. Um, and yeah, and then on top of, on top of that, we had uh, uh, some Gruyere that we put on there. And then we made a fresh uh, bourbon bacon jam recipe that i developed a few years ago um that was really good and then we did a runny egg on top of that um you're hitting all the you're hitting all the notes you're getting the the smoky (laughs) you're getting the richness from the cheese and that bacon jams giving you the the tang and the smokiness from the bacon i mean you and then the runny egg on the top so yeah that's you haven't (laughs) left anything to chance it doesn't look like (laughs) No, and I love a good runny egg. I mean, granted, chances are it's going to end up all over your shirt, you know, but that's okay. Um, you know, that runny egg on top of that juicy, you know, burger patty really was pretty messy. But And so that was the, um, that was the plan to be the world champion burger. That, that was, well, yeah, that was, you know, had our fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but this, so, wasn't yeah, the, I, this wasn't the first world championship at World Foods that you had won, right? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you're you're like a world food OG because you were one of the first people to to win at World Food. And what year was that? And that was I believe 13, in the right? Dessert category, right? Yeah, that was in 2013, the second year of the contest. And, and uh, 10 yeah, years that, ago. That was yeah, that was in dessert. So So how have things changed with World Food from uh, from that very first year to kind of the way things are going now, it's really seems like it's, they've really defined it. Well, it's, um, doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Categories have grown. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think the, the prestige of it has grown too. It's really become something in, in food sport that people are paying attention to and, you know, they've really made their mark. So how, from your perspective, being there in the very humble beginnings to now, like what is, what's changed? How's um, it evolved? Oh God. There is just so many different ways it's evolved. The number of competitors has grown. Um, and partially, you know, that's also because of the number of categories has expanded so much. Back when I won in uh, 2013, there were seven categories. Uh, this year, I believe there was 10. 
and they're adding, I think, two more on for this coming year. Um, just the way it's just developed, you know, just it's like, you know, like you guys have seen the, you know, like the uh, barbecue community, KCBS, it's grown and you can see how it grows from year to year. And, and that's no different um, with WFC. Um, you know, you find things to tweak here and there, whether it's logistics, um, you know, locations, uh, prize money, the prize money has, uh, the first couple of years, substantially better, right? Yeah. It was 50,000 the first couple of years for the winner. Um, this coming year, the winner is going to get 150. Yeah. Yeah. They just announced that like a week or two ago. Yeah. That's going to be huge. Yeah. So, you know, the, the prize purse has definitely exploded. Um, I think the level of competition has just gone through the roof as well. And it's really become an international competition. Um, I mean, just in my category alone last year in the top 10 for burger, we had five different countries represented in the top 10. Um, yeah, we had us, Canada, Japan, France, and Dubai all in the top 10 just for burger. And a lot of the other categories are seeing that same kind of international representation brought in. Now, did they um, do a recipe category last year? Um, I don't, I think last year it had gone away. That's what I thought too, because to me, that's where the international piece got interesting when you, because anybody can submit recipes and photos and do that and get their recipe chosen. Um, so you had some really interesting, uh, international stuff going on there. And it just seems that maybe that sparked a lot of that international, uh, engagement originally. Yeah, I think so. And another thing that's really, I think, going to help with that, um, the chef that won this year is a chef from Sydney, Australia. Yeah, that um, always... Yeah, out, of the, out of the seafood category. And he just destroyed. I mean, it, it was impressive. I mean, yeah. Well, and explain for everybody kind of how that final table goes, because everybody is cooking something in their own category differently to win the the best in their category but then by the time you're to the final table it's a totally different game yeah that changed i think it was maybe in 2017 or 2018 yeah we like up until that point at the final table you cooked your dish was what you know you represented your category so like when i won in 2013 i won with a dessert you know and every like somebody from bacon category he did bacon and then pit maker did barbecue and you know so on and so on but now but, it's yeah, different right the last, yeah the last few years um it's become for lack of a better term a lot more chefy um you know they they'll give you a you know there'll be a theme of some sort and you know now it's a series of three challenges and and it's not and it may not have anything to do with your categories like you know mine had nothing to do with burgers or, yeah so like what were the three challenges this year or this last year um the first one we had a choice of protein and basically we had to make an amuse bouche um you know we're just kind of trying to describe that for those who aren't familiar um kind of a little savory little, little quick bite i mean quick and yeah, like slow quick appetizer yeah yeah um then now they did let us go up to a large appetizer size um just so we weren't limited so much um and then we had a choice of like four proteins and then other than that it was pretty much wide open um now half the group got eliminated after the first after that first round then the second round was a taste and recreate 
from a local chef there in Bentonville. He presented a dish to the remaining you know, competitors. Then they got to taste it Saturday night and then Sunday morning they had to recreate it as best they could. Yep. And then the three that moved on from that um, had to do two courses uh, for a tasting menu. And yeah. they just had to, they just had to, you know, kind of flow together. Yeah. Um, so it's totally different than what you had to start with and just gives you a, a different perspective on the food. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Food Champ Dave to see the cool things that he's up to. You can follow him on Twitter or Facebook at the handle PMB Barbecue Co. And check out his website, PorkyMcBeef.com, where you can pick up his award-winning barbecue rub. Coming up, we are going to hit this next week's product spotlight and talk with Todd about ceramic cookers right here on Barbecue Radio Network. Check out Barbecue Radio Network on Facebook. Give us a like. Welcome back to Todd and Andy here on Barbecue Radio Network. This segment is brought to you by Holstein Manufacturing. Check them out at HolsteinMFG.com. They have NSF certified cookers and grills, and of course the corn roasters, which are my favorite. And don't forget their mobile event and catering rigs. Check them out at HolsteinMFG.com. You know, I was thinking, that burger... My mouth is watering right now. A half pound juicy burger with bacon in it and on it. I don't know, man. Well, well, and a runny egg. I love a runny egg on a burger. I love bacon jam on a burger. Like he had all of my love languages right there in that one burger. (laughs) The, Um, The cool takeaway for me, or at least one of them, is all of that stuff was essentially locally sourced quality product. And I and he made that statement. He's like. Well, gosh, start with quality input and you'll have a quality output. Found his own butcher, uh, local where he was going to be competing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the the buns were locally sourced. Uh, he made that bacon jam, perfected the recipe for that, and then chose the right fat content. Again, he, he went with a 70-30 for that burger and said he does a 75-25 at home, which that for me is is a good home burger. I usually use that higher fat content for smash burgers. Uh, and that's because I want that crispy, lacy edge. And uh, sometime we'll have to have Kiever on to talk about Smash Bros. Oh, yeah, he there can, you go. He can wax philosophical about that. <laughs> that's going to be a whole nother. That'd be three segments alone it's, on Smash Burgers. It's almost a religion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, you, when I think of World Food Championships, I think of Dave because the guy has won it twice. I mean, he's, he's won dessert. He's won burger now. And to do it almost a decade apart, too. So he won... Very early on, when and he's first... placed well in in the other years. Yeah, yeah. So, so he definitely is. That is his like food zen environment. And, he does really well. At and I wasn't going to argue with him when he said he wasn't chefy, but come on, yeah. The 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 aiolis and the right mixture of ingredients and the blends of flavors to do all of that. You've got to have a little bit of chefy in you to pull that off at the level that they do at, at World Foods. There's, so, there's no way he's cook. winning a category there unless you have some good a good palate and and good thoughts on how to construct. 
Yeah, you got to be able to execute. Well, it's time now for our All Things Barbecue product spotlight. Their website is atbbq.com. All Things Barbecue has all the tools and accessories you need to take your barbecue to the next level. You'll have your neighbors jump in the fence to get a taste. So get fired up and get all the supplies to do it all at All Things Barbecue. So, Todd, what do you got this week? Well, Andy, I know you've used one of these before. I've used one a couple of times, those like smoker tubes where you fill them full of... Uh, pellets and then it adds a little extra smoke to maybe a charcoal grill or a gas grill the amazing tube smoker yep love you've used those yep and so this one is expandable from like seven inches to 12 inches um so that you can accommodate more fuel in there but what i found was they have a bundle so if you go on to allthingsbarbecue.com, atbbq.com, they have the All Things Barbecue uh, Tube Smoker Starter Kit. And so uh, this is uh, three bags of three one pound bags of pellets from Barbecuers Delight that you can select your own flavors. And then the Amazing Tube Smoker uh, Expandable 7 to 12 inches. Thirty four ninety nine at allthingsbarbecue.com. Yeah, I like to use those when I'm cooking something like fish or chicken where I need, I'm going to cook hotter in the grill, so I need to get that smoke into the meat, uh, even though I'm cooking hotter on the grill. So I'll light that smoke tube and let it put some smoke in the chamber for something like fish that I might be doing on a plank or, or something like a chicken breast. So yeah, I, I love those smoke tubes. They do great. Oh. All right. Well, thank you. And we're going to check out that amazing smoke tube at atbbq.com. So, Todd, we're going to talk ceramic cookers. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a big green egg guy. I've got four eggs at home and of varying sizes. Of varying sizes. Yeah. I've got a couple larges, a small, which was uh, Michael's kid's cue when he was five years old and did pretty well on that. And then we've got a mini. That was always fun to haul around in the camper. You can cook one burger on a mini, right? Yeah, like well, Michael is Michael won his first Kids Q Grand Champion on that mini and then won his second Grand Champion on that mini. So there's a great little cooker. I love ceramics, but you you got to it's a bit of a learning curve and once you figure them out, they're really versatile and dynamic because you can grill and sear and you know have 750 degree fire going direct over coals or you can go low and slow and do more of an indirect uh cook um but there's a few things you got to know going in and the first one is how to set up the the fire how to kind of set up that basket um for the fire and you never want to put first rule is you never want to put lighter fluid in a in a ceramic cooker because that'll permeate into the pores of the ceramic and you'll never get that taste and and smell out of there. Yeah, so if you if you have a ceramic cooker, you've been looking at them, you know, the outside's always glazed and very pretty and has a great appearance. The inside is actually unfinished. unfinished it is ceramic. open and open ceramic. And so it's going to absorb anything you put in there. So if you put in lighter fluid, your food's going to taste like lighter fluid. Yeah. So so first tip, if you've never been around ceramic before, do not put any lighter fluid in there. In fact, to start a ceramic, it really takes very little. So the way I construct mine is I'll use lump charcoal. Uh, don't use briquettes. I like to use just straight lump. 
And then for wood, it takes very, very little. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't even use wood chunks. I use more like splits, like maybe the size of your finger and, and spread those around, um, horizontally across the coal bed uh, before you light it, but also into it. So as it cooks, as it burns down, it's finding new wood uh, throughout your cook. So if you're setting up for a brisket, a pork butt, something that's going to be a long cook, you want to kind of layer those finger splits of wood into the charcoal bed. Then what you're going to do is there's a couple of ways to start. You can start with just a, a, a map torch and hit a couple of places and start with uh, some smaller starting points, usually two or three. Uh, or you can use like the tumbleweeds, the paraffin starters, sure. and put a couple of those. But just start with a couple of areas. And if, I've used a loof lighter too. And a loof lighter, yes. And those work great too. So the th unlike a charcoal Weber grill, you're not going to start like two big chimneys of charcoal and dump them straight in. This is going to burn a lot differently than a Weber grill will. And I know we talked a little bit in the last show with Meathead about radiant heat and some of that infrared and radiant heat. The thing about a ceramic cooker is the entire cooker provides radiant heat. Once that ceramic is hot, it radiates the heat back towards the meat. So you're going to cook faster at higher temperatures because you're getting that radiant heat from all sides. You also get great browning. On like a chicken, a whole chicken and an egg always comes out great because that skin just gets so toasty and brown. Yep. So once you get your fire set up and you light it, you're going to light just on the top surface um, in a couple of two, three spots. And you really want to take a lot of time to let it settle in. You know, typically I like to let my egg settle in for like 45 minutes before I use it. Um, and, and, once you get to a certain temperature, it's hard to back them down. So you really want to be careful about how much you open that up and, and let it get nice and hot because you're not going to bring it back down again. Yeah, every time you open it, adding any amount of air to that chamber really yes. just lets it go. But I will say that and to me, for a, a green egg, I'm not a huge fan of smoking on a big green egg. But I love roasting things like a prime rib or even doing a rotisserie with something. And I love grilling on it. Smoking gets a little bit dicey because of the temperature issue that you just mentioned. But also because your airflow is so minimal when you smoke, you have to go burp that cooker to let the smoke out so that it doesn't stagnate and get bitter. All right. So you mentioned burping. And that's the thing I'm going to hit on last here is... What does it mean to burp? Well, if you go and lift the lid on that smoker, all of that built up smoke and, and air is going to catch fire and blow back on you. And so whenever you're opening a ceramic cooker, you want to open it just about an inch, let a little bit of air release, and then you can open it all the way up. Yep, that is a great tip because you do not want it to have a flash ball and uh, take yep. your eyebrows. Because, yep. I mean, you do look great without eyebrows, Todd, but, you know, let's not try and do that too often. Well, we want to thank Dave Elliott again for being on the show. Don't forget to head on over to PorkyMcBeef.com and pick up his PMB barbecue rub. 
Thank you all for tuning in and listening. We are going to be bringing you another guest next week with more great barbecue tips for T-Bone, Ribeye, Todd, and myself. Thanks for tuning in. We'll keep the pits lit until next time here on Barbecue Radio Network. Barbecue Radio Network is heard on radio stations from Hawaii to Florida. If you have a business centered around barbecue or the backyard lifestyle, please consider advertising with us. Contact us through our Facebook page or website at bbqradionetwork.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. You have a better recipe for when you grill. Better ingredients, better cuts of meat, and because you're using a grill from Holstein Manufacturing, well, a better grill. You take grilling seriously, and at Holstein Manufacturing, we make a serious grill. Find your new grill now at HolsteinMFG.com. We build a grill, Holstein Manufacturing. Holstein Manufacturing, we build a grill.